in Chumash. Arba, Shalosh, Steim. Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at? Where my mom's wearing thongs, hitting bongs at? Raising kids, cleaning shits, need a long nap. Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at? Where my mom's at podcast! With Christina P. Hello, all my mommies listening. Where the fuck, where the fuck are my moms at? I don't know, because moms don't listen to the show. It's mostly dudes in their 20s who come to my shows, but I don't mind. I still love them so, so much. Let's start today with a little inspiration from my favorite TikTok, probably top of all time. Go ahead, Josh Solo. Imagine being allergic to peanuts. Bitch, if you don't grow the fuck up. Thank you. You know, whenever I'm feeling down, whenever I feel gray, I just play that TikTok and it just brightens me right up. And it's so funny because that's considered a mean talk uh, by by social media standards. That would probably get flagged. Community guidelines is bullying. Isn't that funny? Bitch, if you don't grow the fuck up, I mean, the timing on that was fucking stupendous. <laughs> okay, what day is it? Today is September 5th. September 7th, I am in Brooklyn at the Bell House, and then I go to Detroit, Michigan at MGM Grand, September 9th, and then I go to Gashville, Tennessee at Zany's, October, what is it, 6th, 7th, 8th, around there, and then back to Jew Dork Titties at Caroline's, November 4th and 5th, and I'm stoked I've never actually done Caroline's, and I'm I'm just so happy. I'm so happy to go there. And then Biloxi. Can you believe that? I'm doing comedy in Biloxi, Mississippi. I have to say I've done most everywhere. I've never been to, I don't think I've been to Mississippi. So that's going to be fun, November 18th. And then I had to move Chicago to April 29th. So there you go at the Park West Theater, ChristinaPOnline.com. I will be announcing a big tour for next year. And I, I cannot wait. And also, thank you to everybody that's already bought my lipstick. I, you know, I had no idea it was going to get this crazy. It's it's apparently been selling like hotcakes, and I'm so stoked. But I have to tell you, because I chose to go with an Italian atelier, uh, that this it's a fancy word for people who make makeup. Guess what? The Italians take off for summer, so <laughs> the factory is not open right now and when it does reopen they will make this and, and supposedly by September these will be out to you Christina P's perfect red lipstick try it out check it out I've been wearing red lipstick since uh, since I was born I think I came out of my mom and I put on my red because you know I've always felt that if you if you even if you don't like you know you do nothing else to your face you put on a red lip and you look so fun and it's just so distinguished and fabulous and I've worn all the brands and I created my own formula, and I found the perfect shade, I think, uh, for for virtually anybody. It's such a beautiful lipstick, and I can't wait for you to have it. So go to imhstudios.com. There's a page for that for my perfect red lipstick. And again, please be patient for shipping. We're going to get them to you the minute they arrive from Italy. So there you have it. Um, been a great, uh, 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 you know, we, we went to Mexico since I last talked to you guys, a much needed vacation. Um, I mean, well, listen, I don't want to spoil it. We're going to talk about it on your mom's house, but, uh, but really good to get the fuck away from my kids for a couple days. I'll tell you that. And Tom and I slept like, I think everybody did on that trip. Everybody was like, I can't believe I slept so much. I didn't do much sleep. Yeah, you no, didn't. It was, was definitely just you guys. Yeah. Oh, just the married? <laughs> yeah, you, you guys, guys were, came and slept. You guys were getting faded. Yeah, we were like, man, I wonder what Tom and Christina are doing. They're probably doing all this crazy stuff. And then it's like, <laughs> no, just they're just sleeping. Hilarious. <laughs> just sleeping. Just catching up on stuff. Um, so that's good for, for the moms that are listening. Guess what? School year's back. And you know what that means? Eight hours, I think, wait, yeah, around that, of, of child-free time. And I put both my kids now... From 7.45 to 3.30. And it has been the greatest thing that's ever happened. And I am I have all this free time now. And it feels so fucking good. I feel like I've got my sanity back a little bit. Um, you know, man, I, I'm ready for I'm here for it. Because Julian's 
four. So now he can just, you know, he can go piss off all day. And he actually, it's better for him because he naps at school. And when he's home, he can't nap because you got to put him back in the car to go get the brother at 3.30. And that was a real nightmare. So now, great, super great, super fun, wonderful. Uh, The only downside to being a comedian with children in school is that whenever I talk about the school schools, they're like, are you talking about us? Are you, are you okay? And I'm like, it's not you. Trust me. This is like a past school. These are other schools that suck that we've been to, not you. And it really isn't. I love Texas. You guys are great. Okay. So I'm going to, you know, I've been, um, I am be honest with you. So for the last few years, I've really been in baby land and really just surviving and um, I did the Ed Milet show. I don't know if you've heard of Ed Milet. I had not. I can't believe I hadn't because I've, I read all of his homeboys. I'm down with Tony Robbins. I'm down with Wayne Dyer. I'm down with like the cause, with this movement of people that help other people thrive. And I did his show. And the response has just been so, look at how fit he is. It's ridiculous. He's the sweetest man on the planet. He's a good family man. He's been with his wife for a million years. And he likes to help people get to the next level. He's an entrepreneur. He's, of course, you know, one of these guys that's just like mega winner, successful, but the sweetest guy. And I went on a show and I realized like, you know, I used to do a show called That's Deep Bro, where I talked about all the stuff that I was thinking about at the time. Because I think at the time I just had kids, my first child, actually it was right before I conceived Ellis. And I was like, what's the meaning of life? I was kind of having this midlife crisis. And then I had kids and then I had the crisis of becoming a mom, which is a whole other form of insanity. And um, I don't know why. Well, that's true. Nobody really talks about that, that uh, it's a really quite a, a fucking shift. Um, yeah, becoming a mother, it changes you as a person. So I'm not the same person I was six years ago, seven years ago. And now I'm going back to these topics that I used to think about all the time, but with a different perspective, a different take on life. And like, I kind of want to revisit some stuff that I did on That's Deep Bro, but now as like a grown ass adult, you know, like on the other end of a lot of these things that I, whatever, had not experienced. But but first I want to center myself. Um, I need some motivation. I need some inspiration. We all do. If Josh, if you could play the, the man who gives us the most pep talk, that my favorite guy on TikTok. This guy really knows how to make a woman feel uh, special. Go ahead, Josh, roll him. What's up, you beautiful human beings? I am so happy to just, I just, I just want to say hi to you. Thank I've you. missed you so much. I missed you. I was in Hawaii. You got were? A tan. Oh. That's like what happened with the yeah. beach line. I just wanted to say hello. Hi. I just check in and see how you're doing. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. What what a bizarre TikTok to post. Like I'm just checking in, see how you're doing. But then your your audience has no way of answering to you whatsoever. And nor do you you're not gonna respond to anybody. But I appreciate the sentiment. Um it's really kind of you. Thank you at Jaeger Jaegerzar. I appreciate you. I like a man that encourages ladies to you know just do it just do he's he's this guy's amazing he really motivates and inspires (laughs) i love when i love when people are always like oh excuse my yeah excuse my tan it's such a humble brag you know i gotta i got i know you guys were looking at this tan of mine it's so luxurious i i was in cabo for the last week (laughs) i've been doing that all week Excuse my tan. Well, Chad got darker than anybody. I did. You yeah. got the dark. You have the darkest tan award. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you, but to, but to presume that his TikTok audience, that everybody was like, "What's up with your tan? You should tell us about the tan." Like nobody gives a fuck about his tan. I assure you, nobody was worried or concerned or even questioning how he got his tan. Nobody cares. Okay. Um, that being said, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of the talk. Um, and then I, you know, I still, I still like motivational stuff. I went on the Ed Milet show. I just mentioned that. And I started to talk about things that I've really cared about for years. And then I had babies and then I kind of stopped caring and now I care about it again. So I want to talk about these things again. I'd like to set this up with this wonderful clip I stumbled across. And I don't even know who this guy, who is this guy, Josh? Zolo that I sent you that 
I asked you to find who he is. His name's Will Z. Tidwell, and he's an entrepreneur and an influencer. Okay. Well, anyway, I like what he said. I like how he says it. So if we could play it and hopefully, uh, you know. You can't share your dreams and your goals with everybody. Like everybody doesn't deserve to have that type of access to you. Mm. Everybody doesn't deserve to be able to treat something that's so fragile because they won't treat it with the same care like you will. They won't see the things that you see when you dream. And see, this is going to fuck a lot of people up. But sometimes it's going to be your family and your friends. Sometimes it's going to be the people that you never thought would see it. That you never thought would doubt you. Would never, that you never thought would take your dreams and treat them like they were nothing. Yeah. Fuck, I love that. That That is a... So I really, I really resonated with that clip. For anybody listening who's like incubating on an idea... And I made the mistake so many times early in my life and in my career to tell people your thoughts and your dreams and like what you see yourself doing. Um, okay, there he is, Will Z. Tidwell. He's a 23-year-old CEO originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. Jesus. Tidwell is the owner of the community relations company Speak Up Z, LLC. Good for him. I don't know who he is. I, I like him. I, I think he sounds successful. There he is. I just love how he says it. Um, so when you are incubating, and, and which, which many artists, it takes years to incubate and to create a voice and to be bold enough to put that voice out. Or even if you're listening and you're like, I think I want to try something new. I think I want to do this. I think even if I want to like post on Instagram more, but I'm afraid because people are going to make fun of me, which they will. <laughs> They're going to judge you because uh, everybody sucks. But um, don't tell people. I, th I think uh, that's my biggest message is like, keep it your secret, your secret baby, you know? And I think all of good things, life germinates in the dark. You know, as mothers, we've created life and life happens in the dark, right? You just have this little seed that grows in the dark inside of you. And that's like the best place for stuff is the darkness, is in the weirdness, is in the silence. And when you share that little spark with somebody and they poo-poo on it, I mean, they can just destroy your whole vision. In fact, I was somewhere yesterday... Um, and, uh, this guy, someone, you know, suggested in a very nice way, like, oh, Christina, you should, you know, help young comedians by giving them advice. And I was like, that's the fucking worst thing in the world. Like, I would rather die than tell a comedian how to be funny. Cause I was given such bad advice so many times in my career. And had I listened to anybody, I, pr I would have been so sidetracked. Like I had a club owner one time tell me, a club owner tell me, you know, you are like, he's like, you're, you're too pretty to be a comedian. You know, you should be like, like a dumb ingenue. Those are the words he said, like a dumb blonde, I know, ingenue, like a, like a, and I was like, huh? And, I, and I'm like, first of all, I don't even know what that word means, ingenue. I think that's pretty fancy. Uh, secondly, no, no, that sounds terrible. And I'm, I mean, thank God I did have the wherewithal to say no, because he was a club owner and he had this power that he could put me on his stage. Let's see what the word ingenue, an innocent or unsophisticated young woman, especially in a play, right? Like the, the doe eyed dum dum who's like, I don't know anything. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, like Chrissy Snow from if you're old as I am three's company and and that totally was not who I was as, a, as an early comedian. I was, I, you know, I, I thought I was so smart because I had this degree in philosophy and I was going to really show people how smart I was. And that really doesn't go over well. <laughs> I had to learn how to not be so, you know, gosh, heavy or whatever. But um, I've had that said to me. I've been told, oh, you're never going to be as successful as a male comic. I've heard that one. I've heard uh, from a club owner in Canada who owns an entire chain of comedy clubs in Canada that we don't book women. <laughs> so you should, you know, don't even try it. Like this horrible, I've been told fucking stupid things. So to tell other people things in my position would be horrendous. So I, I encourage anybody who is incubating, quietly do it. And I know, I know the inclination. I know what you want. 
because I wanted it to when I started. I wanted the approval. I wanted someone to tell me, that's a great idea. <gasps> yes, and you should do this. Yes, and 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 and. And unfortunately, what, what this man was saying, the opposite can of, often happen because what happens is sometimes people a, are afraid of their own stuff. So they will be threatened by you wanting to elevate your own status, right? Nobody, people want to stand out, but not really because you know, you're threatened when you leave the tribe and the tribe gets threatened when you want to elevate your own stuff too, so they'll, maybe they're doing it out of a sense of like, gosh, I wish I had thought of that. And then they'll poo-poo your idea for whatever reason. Sometimes they're people that are concerned for you and they don't want your life to be hard. But, you know, I, I had that false concern too. When, my, when I told my mother I was um, going to be a comedian, <laughs> I was in law school at the time. So like I'd, I'd done what I was supposed to do. I'd gotten into law school, which alone was a Herculean effort. I'd taken the LSAT. I'd done it all. I, I spent a year getting into fucking law school. And then two weeks in, I'm sitting in a criminal law class. And the professor comes in and he's like, guy walks in on his wife, screwing another guy, boom, shoots him in the head. Blood everywhere. How are you going to make her whole? And I was like, what? Dude, like what? And the way that they were teaching me the law was that you had to make it whole, meaning like... <sighs> You know, how do you make some, somebody whole after they've been injured? Money. <laughs> like money. Making some, it's, it, was, it was just so fucking empty and horrible. And I was like, this is not me. I can't do this. I, God bless anybody that can become a lawyer. I'm not poo-pooing the, the job. I'm just saying it was not for me. And I dropped out. And she was so disappointed in me and so angry with me. And it was out of the sense of like, you don't know what you're doing. It's hard out there to be a comedian. It's a crazy, you know. But the truth of it is, and if you're a parent listening to this, the truth of it is, is that I would have been so miserable as a lawyer staying and being and playing it safe, right? Playing it safe and doing the thing that I knew I did not want to do. Maybe I, maybe I had the aptitude. Not really. I don't think I'm that brilliant because I think a lot, there were a lot smarter people than me. I had a really hard time reading <laughs> books it's all in latin it's fucking terrible i was so stupid <laughs> i was like i don't know what i don't know and uh i mean i think the suffering for me it was like i had to choose between two sufferings the suffering of staying in law school and taking the path that i knew would be horrendous in my law and probably a lifetime of suffering and misery but i would have my mommy's approval and wouldn't that be nice because she's never really approved approved of me and maybe this time it'll be different right <laughs> maybe, maybe this time my mother uh you know it'll cure my mother's mental illness somehow and she'll become she'll just start doting on me and baking cookies for me and being the wonderful mother i always wanted right or i can take the suffering of of what i really wanted to do and guess what I would rather take the road of the suffering of the unknown. And we did suffer. I suffered for, you know, doing the road and being broke and being 30 and seeing all my friends have kids, get married, buy houses, and then being, you know, 32 <laughs> and still being kind of broke and seeing all my friends, you know, go past and do do normal life and I here I am I didn't have my first kid until I was like 40 basically or 39 40 and then the second one at 42 and everyone else had already been doing the things and Tommy and I were taking the hard road right but ultimately a road worth taking and yes I disappointed my mother and uh, but here's a hot tip for you <laughs> hot tip hot secret if they disapproved of you then, they're still going to disapprove of you when you make the money and you become the success and you still, they're never going to approve of you. At least dysfunctional, toxic, hor like my mother was so mentally ill that there was, she was never going to approve. It was never going to happen. It was never in my cards. So yeah, most of the time it's people's own fear when they poo-poo your dreams and your ideas. So tell no one. And what I... What I did for many years was just shut the fuck up and keep my head down. And I just worked and I just worked. And, and it was so hard to stay in my lane and not look at other people's Instagrams, 
you know, oh my God, I can't believe so-and-so got the Tonight Show or oh my, I'm so jealous that that, that girl got that TV show or thing. And then, you know, you get, you compare yourself to somebody else and you're like, oh, it's so hard just to put on these blinders and just stay in your lane, man, and just work and work and work and work and work. And then one day, one day, these motherfuckers see you on Netflix. <laughs> and you're like, how you like me now, bitch? But the how you like me now, bitch, it takes like, it takes like 15 years. I'm just warning you, okay? Really, the how you like me now, bitch. You know, I was a loser when I was in high school. Just for you guys to know, like, I don't, I, I think too what I learned talking to Ed, and you'll hear me if you listen to that episode, is that like, y you don't have to be born a winner to end up winning. <laughs> like, in fact, the biggest winners or people that I looked up to and loved started off as fucking losers, man. And like, I was such a loser <laughs> for so many years. Like, and when I say loser, I mean a loser. Like, I, what I mean by that is I let life take me, right? You get out of college, if you go to college, which I don't even know if you should anymore, quite honestly, and you're like, okay, what do I get? I don't know, I don't know. And you just let life take you, right? Like, I don't know, I'll just go do this job. I'll get fired from this job. I'll quit that job. <laughs> and when I was a teenager, that's that was terrible you know I was on doing drugs and I was suicidal and I was a cutter and I was goth and I was a mess just a fucking glorious mess so just know if you're listening to this and you think to yourself like I don't know I'm a fucking loser Christina that's okay it's good to be a loser <laughs> because you, you, if you're listen if you're a loser you got nothing to lose that's what I, I that's what I knew about myself. I tried everything. I had already dropped out of law school. I was already six thousand dollars in debt for two weeks of law school. I was a fucking loser already. So I'd rather lose on my terms than uh, than my mother's terms, right? And become a lawyer and, and hate my whole fucking life. So and even if you're old, listen, you're even if you're old like me and you're like, I don't know, I think I want to do something else. Do something else. Who cares? Your life is so fucking short. But anyway, more on this topic. Sometimes, uh, like this guy was saying, it can be your your parents, it can be your family, it can be anyone. These people who you think sometimes will support you often do not. And also, I don't understand this idea of of like su support anyway. I mean, I maybe because my family was so unsupportive. Um, I you know so it always makes me laugh when people early in my stand-up career, even now, are like, I'm going to come to your show to support. I'm like, I don't need your fucking support. <laughs> don't worry about it. I don't need you. I, and I don't mean that in like, uh, in a kind of sense, like I'm so great that I don't need anybody. Of course I need people. But if you want it, if you really want to be a successful person, you don't need anybody's support. You don't need their approval is what I'm saying. It's like, I think the drive has to be so big inside of you that it's it's it, it just goes above anybody's anybody's support need. You know what I mean? Like I don't need your support. Don't worry about it. I support myself. I I know what I'm gonna do. I know who I am, and I know what I'm gonna do. And I'll see you on I'll see you on Netflix, bitch. Like I fucking knew it, dude. You know what I mean? I I was like, I don't need you to come to my shitty open mic. Like I got this, dude. Um, it's nice when they come. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to get the love and and whatever from people but don't count on it and uh and it's better if you don't in a lot of ways because don't worry they'll come around when you are successful <laughs> they'll, they'll all show up all those bitches in high school that uh you know you didn't really like then they'll still they'll come back don't worry when you're successful so keep your shit a secret marinate and work and just work because uh dan pena one time I think, did he say this on our show or when I had lunch with him privately, Tommy? I think he was on your mom's house when Dan Pena was on. And he goes, I go, because Dan Pena, he's another motivational speaker. He come, he came on the show and he's like, you know, I, I'm a fucking winner. I'm a leader. I'm a do-do-do-do-do-do. You know, he, he talks his big talk. And I go, well, Dan, who do you hang out with? Who are your friends then if you're so accomplished and great? And he goes, Christina, I'm an eagle. And eagles fly alone. 
I said, yes, bitch. So ever since then, you know what I'm saying? And, and I, I like this idea, be, be an eagle, bro. Be an eagle, be an eagle, but find other eagles if you can from time to time. I only associate with fucking other eagles, homie, or other, other high-flying birds. On that note, let's play Dan Pena. He's got a great clip for the, for the ladies listening. I love this clip. You stand around and watch all the opportunities go by. They sit there, they sit there. They, oh, I'm getting ready. Bert's getting ready. Bert's getting ready. Rick's getting ready. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. Oh, fuck no, no, I'm tired now. <laughs> maybe the next one. Maybe the next one. And there comes somebody like me. Just jumps on the fucker and eats it. Maybe the next one, Ray. Who in this room is that male lion? And the truth of the matter is the female lion does all the fucking honey. <laughs> female lion does all the fucking honey. He's right about that, baby. The female lion does all the hunting. The female lion. Isn't that interesting in nature that the female lion does the hunting? And you think it's the man, the guy that fucking lays around all day sleeping and she does all the work. And another thing I learned from dudes, I have to say, I've always loved men. I love men. I, I'm not, I don't care. The, the patriarch, I, I'm not like that, dude. I love men. And what I learned from men the most in my life as a stand-up comedian <clears throat> is the art of bullshit. Men are the greatest bullshitters. And I mean this in the fucking most positive way. But what I mean is, they tell you how great they are. They tell you what they're going to, they tell you, they tell you, they tell you, they talk themselves up and they, they talk about their accomplishments and women, we tend to diminish, right? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that. No, my love. It's, it's a wonderful thing what they do. They pump themselves up. They tell you what they're, it's just, it's fantastic. And it's how the business world works. And it's how the world works is you got to tell people how great you are. You tell them you're great. <laughs> in addition to just doing it, you know what I mean? You, you make a spectacle of yourself. And I think girls are, you know, we're conditioned to be polite and don't stand out and don't make a spectacle of yourself. Well, unfortunately, you have to a little bit. Okay. Um, what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah, when I tell you this. my uh, Yeah, this is what's funny. So when I wanted to go... Uh, to college, even I remember my mother goes, <laughs> I, and I believe me, I did not have the grades really to get into college. I bare, I barely got through high school. I did not even break a thousand on the SAT. What well, I know now, that's like signing your name, right? I don't even know. Solo, did you take the SAT? I did. Yeah, it's back to being out of sixteen hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was such a fucking dumb dumb. Like I really didn't do anything great, but I somehow eked into college. I eked into college. Um, on academic probation, <laughs> which means I can only take 12 units. And then I had to take a college success course. That's how much of a fucking loser I was when I did get into college. But I remember telling my mom, I think I want to go to college because my best friend Shauna went to college and I just decided to copy her. And she goes, you know, I don't know. You shouldn't go to college. Maybe you go to beauty school. Learn how to go to beauty school. I was like, beauty school? beauty school like a fucking russian immigrant like beauty school that was wild dude so you know what i mean like even your fucking family can be the biggest biggest haters yeah oh yeah my dad hated loud women that's another one i used to oh yeah yeah when i told my dad i wanted to be a comedian he goes he was so upset with me he's like ugh <laughs> he goes he goes ugh like that pig roseanne bar so loud and disgusting and fat and so gross. And it's so funny because to my dad, the greatest crime for a woman is to be um, unfuckable. Like, God forbid he doesn't want to have sex with you. This is the biggest crime, to be old or unfuckable. <laughs> what a guy. Cool dad. <laughs> um, yeah, so I had my own dad saying that. Uh, why would you want to be a disgusting, unfuckable, gross, loud, obnoxious woman? Um, so that took a minute, too, to get over the stigma of, like, what your family culture is like. Maybe you come from a background where women don't do things that you want to be doing or whatever the hell it is. And 
it takes a lot to go against your cultural and familial norms, you know? And that's why I make fun of too, like all the stuff that's out there now, like I'm non-binary or I'm, it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. First of all, it's not that you have a right to be whatever you want to be, but I'm just saying like all the stuff changes every fucking week, every generation, every decade. A woman is this, a woman is that, a man is that. I don't care. I don't, I don't fucking care. I don't care. I'm like Pippi Longstocking. I live above the law. I'm a fucking, my dad is a pirate. I, I have my own box of gold and I make my own rules and I put glue on my shoes and I walk on the fucking ceiling because I see the matrix and it's all bullshit. Boo-boo, don't even pay attention to all this horse shit. Don't even fucking watch what society is doing because they don't know what's right. They don't know what they're talking about. And I, you know, I didn't have a ton of heroes or, or whatever they say now, representation <laughs> growing up. Oh, I didn't see myself. I don't care. I don't care. You shouldn't fucking care. Who cares? Just listen to what's inside of you. Ugh. Anyway. Oh, I have to tell you the first time I did. Oh, yeah. So this is what I learned, and this is all, I'll start talking about this stuff, and we'll go into other shit from where my mom's at today. But um, this is the greatest. So the first time I did stand-up comedy, the very first time, I mean the very first time, I did it at the belly room at the comedy store, which is the little tiny room upstairs. And the first time I did stand-up comedy, I mean, I had diarrhea from the moment I woke up until about, and I'm not even, so I'm sitting in the green room. I was shitting in the green room. I would go up, go to the toilet, come back, sit down, go to the toilet, sit down. And Bobby Lee was there. Oh my God, I forgot this. And Bobby Lee sees me, this cute little blonde girl. I must've been 26. And he starts like talking to me, like, you know, chatting me up or whatever, which is so funny. And I was like, oh, there's that funny Asian guy from Mad TV. What the hell are you doing here? And I, um, I remember being like to Bobby, like, I got a shit. I can't talk to you right now. I'm about to do stand-up comedy for the first time. Could you stop talking to me? And then I, I did my first set. God, my palms are sweating even just talking about this. Um, I did the set. And, you know, it's like your basic first five minutes, like, oh, I'm Christina. My family's Hungarian. I'm dating a Chinese guy. If we had kids, they'd be Hungarian. It's like something stupid, you know, like. Back then, you could say jokes like that, obviously. <laughs> like, ba like just horrible basic jokes. And then, um, but I didn't bomb. I didn't eat total shit. I did okay. And I did okay. Um, it's called beginner's luck. And, I, and, and a lot of people listening are like, I don't even know what I should do with my life. What, I don't know what I'm good at. Well, whatever you have beginner's luck at is generally the thing that you should just keep pursuing. So I had some beginner's luck. Like I knew how to, I knew how to talk to people. I was always good at writing. I was always good at speaking. But uh, so anyway, I do my set, and I did. I did okay. I didn't eat shit. I didn't vomit. I didn't like ruin my life. And my mom, I'll never forget what a dude. After I was done with my set, she goes. It was the weirdest thing to say. She goes, "Well, I don't know that." It's not that what you are saying is funny. It's like how, how you're saying it is funny. And I'm like, first of all, this fucking criticism, I don't even understand. <laughs> right? what, a, what a stupid criticism. But I remember being like, oh, okay, you're a hater, bro. Like, you're not on my team. Got it. Like, you're, you're done. we're done here. Um, and that's really helpful information, man, to know who's on your team and who's not on your team super early. So I was like, all right, I get it. You're were not cool. And then my dad one time, this is early in my career when I was uh, like a six-year comic and I was, what happens in comedy is you, you start as an MC, which means you're the guy that brings up all the other comedians, right? And so about six, six, seven-year mark, I get passed at the Laugh Factory to be the MC on Friday. And that's like the Friday eight o'clock show was just like 
oh my god the bangingest spot like dude dane cook could do a drop in like you it was like bananas it was such a good spot and i was so nervous and so stoked to do it another day of diarrhea right like i wake up like it's friday i'm gonna fucking host the laugh factory i'm gonna shit and i'll never forget like driving up to the laugh factory and i and my volkswagen jetta and it smelled like crayons because like one time I got rear-ended and the trunk was still rammed open and it rained in there and it smelled like mold and crayons. And I was like chain smoking because I used to smoke back then. Of course, I had shit a bunch already on my way up to the club. And I fucking, I also would sweat so much that I had deodorant in my car. I would call it my comedy deodorant and I would fucking have it in the door. So like here I'm all fucking juice, dude. I'm putting on my deodorant. You know, I I pay $20 to park on Sunset because, like, they don't even fucking give you parking yet when you're an MC at the Laugh Factory. You still have to pay for parking. Like, because I'm telling you, like, in comedy, I didn't make money until, like, 10 years into stand-up. Like, I, you basically work for free for a decade. So when people complain about how much comedians are making, it's like, fuck you, dude. I work for free for a decade. This is back pay, bro. Back pay. So... I fucking get to the club and it's my dad has told me informed me that he i'm coming to your show tonight and i'm like god that sucks like i don't want this i don't need your support right like again like i don't need your fucking support <laughs> no thanks he goes i'm coming to your show and i'm bringing the hungarians and i was like fuck dude like the hungarians like these are funny motherfuckers like these Hungarians are dudes that I grew up with who would come to my house on Sunday night and just drink and smoke and tell jokes and like genuinely funny, like these blue collar guys. One guy was a carpenter and he was missing knuckles because he had like cut his own hand, like fingers off working and shit. And he was the funniest dude. Um, yeah. And they were just these like hard Hungarian they'd survived communism and the make dark jokes and the fucking laughing and drinking and I just loved them so much so I was super nervous they were gonna watch me perform and MC and MCs usually you know you don't do really well because you're the first comedian the MC usually eats shit right you're just there to be a placeholder until the first comic goes up where the feature act goes up you know, because people are filing in. They are just parked. They just paid to fucking valet their car. They just left the house. The babysitter showed up late. They had to hurry down sunset to get, you know, people are settling into their seats. They're ordering their drinks. Nobody gives a fuck about the MC. So you just hope that maybe you get maybe like a couple laughs towards the middle and then maybe the end. So here I am. I'm a six-year comic doing some philosophy jokes still, which are kind of okay. It got me far enough. It got me to the Laugh Factory, you know, but I hadn't really figured out my voice yet. I hadn't really, you know, still, I don't know who I am really. I'm just probably newly married or about to be married. God, this gives me fucking sweat too, just talking about this. So I'm telling jokes and I forget what bit it is. And I say something about being Hungarian or whatever it is. And from the back of the club, I hear, yeah, right. And I was like, what? I'm being heckled, dude. I'm being heckled in front of my dad and like all the Hungarians. And I'm like, who the fuck? And I look over there. It was my dad. <laughs> my own dad <laughs> heckled me as I was hosting. As an MC at the Laugh Factory, eight o'clock fancy show Friday. So I was like, what the? Are you kidding me? And you know what I decided then? What did I decide, Zolo? Play my new drop. This is what I decided once my own father heckled me. Fuck me? No. Fuck you. That's right. Fuck me. No, fuck you. That's when I decided I was like, hey, man, this, this, this is not my team. Again, I lost my mother. She's not on my team. My father is now not on my team. Fuck me. Fuck you. And I realized this is a very extreme version of what some of you might be going through. I don't know if your parents ever heckled you or, or you know, 
or this mean about it. But in subtler ways, I think people can inadvertently sabotage you, maybe out of the best of intentions. Maybe they do say things and they mean well and da-da-da. In my family's case, they did not mean that well, I don't think. Um, but uh, it was, it was, it's tough when you don't have the support and the whatever of, uh, of your family. Um, and it takes a Herculean effort, I think, to, um, to say, fuck me, no, fuck you. And that clip is from the greatest movie ever made, Born in East L.A. with Cheech and Chong. And if you fucking don't know who Cheech and Chong are, get your entire life. They are comedy legends. And uh, I think he's hung upside down in a Mexican jail during that clip. And that guy is like, fuck me. Oh, no, fuck you. And I uh, grew up watching that kind of stuff. Cheech and Chong. God, Cheech Marin. What if there, I heard Chong was the writer and Cheech was more of the performer. But I don't know. These guys were just so funny. Ugh, born in East L.A. He gets mistaken for um, a, a Mexican immigrant, I guess, and he gets deported, and he has to go back. He goes in back in Mexico, and he's like, hey, man, but I was born in East L.A. And it was, um, it was a play on that bor- the Born in the USA song, you know, Springsteen, Born in East L.A. It was a huge hit in the 80s. These guys couldn't be more famous and more fantastic. And I bet you they have a really messed up story to go along with it. Because most successful people have the messiest of stories. And, and you know, I, I know, uh, do your research. Like, go go find, oh, and I was going to tell you too, look for people who inspire you and, and obsess about them. That's how I got out of this fuck me, fuck you. <laughs> um, the lack of support in my family I found in and other people um i've i love so many so many great comedians um helped me up um phyllis diller was my hero and i read the book called the magic of believing because she loved that book in her autobiography she wrote about this book called the magic of believing by claude m bristol and it's one of those old-timey books it's written all old-timey forgive the language but it's really short and it's a fantastic, the ideas are so important and, and so wonderful and I highly recommend reading that. And I wrote her a letter and I sent her a DVD of my act at the time and I was about a seven or eight year comic now. And, um, and I said, Miss Diller, I would love if you watch my set and give me notes. Now, I would never give somebody notes, but I think it's, her I wanted because I thought, you know what? I really like what she's done. And if I respect, you should always ask people's opinion. Of only the ones that you respect, right? Like I'm not going to fucking ask some guy on the internet what they think of my act. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks on, you know, YouTube, but it depends on who you are, right? Phyllis Diller, I wanted her advice. Anyway, I sent a tape in and then three days later, three days later, I get a phone call. Again, my palms are sweating just even thinking about this. I get a fucking voicemail, and I had saved it for like a decade, and I lost it. But, And the voicemail goes, Hello, Christina. This is Phyllis Diller <laughs> with her great voice. Please give me a call back. And she gave me her phone number. I mean, I don't know if you know who she is, but arguably the biggest uh, comedian star Ever, I grew up, she was the only female comedian that I grew up watching, uh, besides Roseanne when I was like 12. You know, I grew up around that family, but before was Phyllis Diller. And she's the OG. Her and Mums Mabley are credited as being the first female comedians. But Phyllis Diller really was the first one in five years. By the way, Phyllis Diller started her comedy career at 35 years old. She had five children and a deadbeat husband. Um, and But she was funny and she worked as a copy editor copy editor yes she was writing copy and um her husband said you're funny you should go try to be an act in a nightclub and so she did and she started the purple onion in san francisco do you see how i know her story because i obsess about the people that have done the thing i want to do so find the person you want to become and fucking read about them and obsess. So anyway, from the time she starts, it took five years for her to get to Carnegie Hall. Five years, which is 
unimaginable by today's standards. Unheard of, really. Um, but back then there was like, you know, you could do one TV show and that would make you a star, like to do The Tonight Show or, you know, whatever. And Bob Hope fell in love with her and put her in movies and such. And she became a huge star. So she calls me. Hello, this is Phyllis Diller. And I just about shit my pants. And it took about an hour for me to work up the courage to call back the Phyllis Diller. And she gave me notes on my act that I won't share because they're mine and they're not yours. But um, they're very private. But, uh, uh, but they changed my act tremendously and changed the way I approached comedy because I was like, she's right about some of this stuff. She's right about all this stuff because she fucking invented the female comic because female comedians, it is a different animal than a male comic. It's just a different animal. You can cry about it. You can, you know, complain about it. I can tell you that the patriarchy is evil. I'm not going to do any of that shit because I don't care. Because uh, I don't have, I don't have another lifetime <clears throat> to get bitter about stuff. I'm just going to work with what I got. So she taught me how to be a female comic, and um, yeah, it was really cool. She she really changed my whole shit. So I study her. I'm going to give you a few other people, and I know you fools are going to email me and be like, what's the name of the people you said? So, so I advise you right now, if you want to have a list of the books that I've loved and people I've read and I've obsessed over, go grab your pen now, pause this podcast, and write this shit down. Don't email me because I ain't going to email you this list of books. <laughs> Number one, um, I just told you The Magic of Believing by Claude M. Bristol. This is an amazing book that's going to change your your brain. You have to change, if you're thinking one way, if you grew up in a, a poverty-thinking household, which I definitely did. I was raised to believe that rich people were horrible people and the meek shall inherit the earth and, you know, oh, bullshit. The meek don't get anything. It's the rich people. Bill Gates got everything. <laughs> Jeff Bezos inherits everything, not the poor people. And, poor, and, and rich people can do a lot of good. So anyway, Magic of Believing. I love that. I loved Wayne Dyer. That guy got me right thinking because he was a, a psychotherapist, a therapist. He grew up in an orphanage. I mean, this guy had a hard knocks life, let me tell you. And he turned his stuff around miraculously. He's unfortunately dead, but he left a huge amount of work that I... I just loved Wayne Dyer. I thought he was very practical. Um, yeah. I think later in his life he got a little woo-woo. And then my favorite, the totally nutty bonkers, Louise Hay. She was another one that had a horrible childhood. Um, yeah, divorced. And then um, she passed away at like her late 90s and ended up starting Hay House Publishing Company, which created his creates a, a ton of great authors too. They're a little more woo-woo. You might hear about angels and spirits and crap. I, you know, if you're into it, great. Use whatever it is that makes sense for you. Marianne Williamson, I really liked her. So anything, anything by these people, just look into these people. I love Tony Robbins, that maniac, that pituitary problem. Uh, Tony Robbins was great. And then Ed Milet, I got deep into him and now I'm all about that guy. Napoleon Hill was one of the first books I read too. It's a book called Think and Grow Rich. This is an old timey book that really, really changed my mind as well. Because here's the thing, they don't teach you this stuff in school. Nobody teaches you how to be a successful person. They teach you how to be an obedient, docile body, how to show up on time, sit in one place, and repeat what you're told, but they don't. It does not teach you how to be an independent thinker or to be um, a successful person. That's for sure. Um, those are my hits. Those are my hits. Anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. Oh, and you know what really helped me too is to find the inspiration on days that you don't have it because you're not going to wake up every day. That's that's one problem I have with the self help movement too. Is they're like. You know, you just got to feel happy all the time. You just got to feel pumped. You got to wake up and you got to get in your vortex and be the most positive. But it's like, no, that's really not. That's not how it works. <laughs> like some days you wake up and you're pumped and other days you don't. You're not. And 
how do you get there? And I find um, this is a, 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 and I often, you know what I, I do even, is I'll look to like Hindu gods, goddesses. Like I'll go outside of the norm. Like I, you know, you can chant to fucking Durga, who's the goddess of war and fighting and battle. If you feel like you need some help with that, you could go to Lakshmi and ask for wealth and prosperity. Um, I forget who to pray to for inspiration creatively. There's a million people you can chant to if you don't like Jesus and you don't like this and that. Just do whatever the fuck you need to get out of your head and get up up into a higher consciousness, right? The low frequencies and stop hanging out with low frequency dwellers. There you go. That's that. That's all I got, I think. I think that's all I got. Meditation, yeah, all that stuff helped me really early too. When I was really broke and really anxious and really unsure if I was going to make it, I would just turn my brain off and just like chant. <laughs> There's a great scene I always think of in the, the Tina Turner movie, the fucking old ass movie about Ike and Tina Turner. Uh, what's love got to do with it? Man, you know, if you didn't think that a husband beating a wife could be funny, uh, there's a movie called What's Love Got to Do With It? <laughs> and Ike Turner, the who is it that plays Ike? I think it's the guy from The Matrix <laughs> who plays her husband. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Man, he is so, because he's so, he's so abusive that it's like, like, whoa, he probably, Ike probably really did say this shit to Tina. But... I mean, one time he's so ripped on coke and he's like, he's like, sing it again, Tina. And she's like, ah, and he's like, sing it again. You got to sing the shit. No, he goes, you got to sing the motherfucking shit the way the motherfucking shit was supposed to be sang, Tina. <laughs> sing the motherfucking shit the way the motherfucking shit was supposed to be sang. I mean, I've thought of that line for 30 fucking years. It's so good. Mike, I wonder if he threw some zingers like that in on her when he was beating her in real life. I wonder if at some point she thought it was funny. She's like, I love your sense of humor, Ike. That's why I stay around. You keep me coming back for more, Ike. <laughs> Shit, I would get beaten by Ike Turner just to hear those lines that he said in that movie. God. What a fuckwad. Yeah. He looked kind of mean. Will you Google pictures of Ike Turner? Because I, I actually don't even know what the real Ike Turner looks like. I know what Lawrence Fishburne looks like. And I always picture Ike Turner to look like Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, yeah, so he had the stupid haircut that he had in the movie, the bowl cut. Because Ike had a bowl cut. There he is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so funny. And then, oh, so anyway, there's this great scene where Tina finally, you know, get, is getting the wherewithal to leave Ike. And she starts chanting. She starts her her Buddhist practice, and that's what helps her out of the relationship. There he is. There he is. There's like giving you the finger. <laughs> cool, dude. That That is such a bold look to give the finger in a headshot. It really is such a choice. I mean, that just lives forever. I, I really... Fuck me? No. Fuck you. Yeah, dog. Fuck me? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, look at him. Look at that sassy guy. He had to sing this motherfucking shit when the motherfucking shit was supposed to be sang, Tina. <laughs> so she chants. She goes, Nam yo ho yo nam yo ho And it's almost comical, too, when she starts chanting. You're like, this chick's really serious about her fucking chanting practice. Nam yo ho yo Very dramatic movies back then. Very dramatic movies. Should we do some follow-ups? Let's do some official business. Sure. What do we go? Oh, do we have? Um, yeah, let's do voice mommies. Sure. Hey, Christina. <laughs> this is Mac here in Michigan, and I'm listening to episode 155. Uh, follow up on another delivery driver thing. I've been oh. doing it for seven years, and there's a lot of ways to do it. Like, there's, of course, the Amazon guys. Well, I deliver food, oh. not for Postmates, for a certain sandwich company. And the shit I have to deal with is crazy because people don't know how to fucking order. I have yeah. to go to their house. I actually have to deal with them at their house where they're way more comfortable to be an asshole. Yeah, fuck that. Crazy people ask me how big an eight-inch sandwich is. Well, guess what? It's eight <laughs> fucking inches. Anyway, keep it high and tight. I'm coming up in May. Love you, Mommy. 
Could you imagine? Could you imagine the audacity of being mad at the guy who drove you a sandwich? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, we were, I mean, I, I guess we're going to tell people we took a private jet. We did. Sure did. We did to Cabo San Lucas and the sweet... Oh. You remember her? <laughs> such an unfortunate Our soul. Our flight attendant. Uh, yeah. She was, she was struggling. God she was damn, such she a was mess. Upset. Like, in, in, but in a way that was just showing you, like, I, a few Ike Turners had been on her plane <laughs> to the point where she was, like, so shell-shocked by rich people. She was really like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not used to doing it this way. I don't normally. And we were like, it's okay. We couldn't reassure her enough. We're like, we're on a private jet right now. Nothing matters. Like, this is, this is amazing. We are doing something that, like, the 1% of the 1% do. This is huge. What, what miserable c- of a human is angry at a sky waitress in a fucking private jet, right? Like, could you even imagine? But somebody must have been. <laughs> the- <laughs> She was starting to piss me off. (laughs) She was real nervous. She was so nervous. She was so nervous that she ended up annoying us. Yeah. She did. Towards the end, she was apologizing for everything. everything. We didn't care about any of that. The Mm -hmm. only annoying part was her. I know. I got to put this dish here. I got to move this over here. If we do that, we don't just do it. She She got every drink order wrong. She came out and gave us like 28 different options for stuff that we had no idea. We didn't care. She's like, we have uh, tacos. We could put them on a tray or I can bring out the enchiladas in a platter. And if you want, I could actually put it in a... We don't know what you're saying. We don't... I don't even know what she's saying. I'm like, I just put it in my mouth. I don't care. How about just drinks? Or just put it in my hand. Like, put the enchilada in my hand. Nobody... We were just so happy to be there, you know? She could and have thrown the tacos in my face. Easy, it would have been fine. It would have been great. Put the I don't care. I know, I w- but we didn't correct her. None of us were like, you gave me the wrong fucking drink, bitch. I was like, just, I don't care. Just whatever. It's okay. No, the worst we it's did okay. was dismiss. We were just like, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Like, whatever, you know? It's She's all like, well, good. So, okay, I'll bring out both. Like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel it's better. It's like I it's guess. like you understand why Ike beat Tina. When you when you see that stuff, you're like, I get why women get beaten. I get it. It's annoying. You just gotta slap some sense into her, like Sean Connery, right? When he was like, A woman gets hysterical. You gotta wait wait, what does he say? Look up the Sean Connery clip. A woman gets hysterical. You've got to beat her sometimes to get her in shape. I get it. Now I get it. I didn't think I got it before. But then after that flight attendant, I do kind of get it. Like, I feel like she could have used a little Sean Connery. Let's, let's hear what he has to say. It's not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Mm. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. 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 I, I didn't I, love that. I haven't changed my opinion. <laughs> you haven't? No. Not at all. You think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. You I don't think, think it's bad? Much, I don't think it's that bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. What would merit it? <laughs> well, if you have tried everything else, yeah. and women are pretty good at this, yeah. they, they can't leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah. They don't they want to have the, the, the last word, and you give them the right. last, last word, but they're not happy with the last word. Mm. They want to say it again. Yeah, it's so and, true. And get into a really provocative situation. Then, I think it's absolutely right. Oh, what would- <laughs> <laughs> so great. I love it. And you know what's great about that clip is that Babs, Babs thought she was getting him. Babs thought she was zinging him. She had planned, she was so pleased with herself where she's like, do you do it with a, a, a closed fist or an open hand? She 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 was so pleased with her. Did you see how smug her face got? She was like, I got you, you misogynistic. You're going to backpedal and you're going to apologize. And then instead he doubles down. <laughs> he was like, yes, and I still feel that way, you stupid bitch. You fucking dummy. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I, I do. You listen. I don't agree with Sean Connery, I, I, but I think it's really great when people double down. I love that stuff. Be offended. 
Who's that piece of shit that said that? Did you see that Republican? Matt Gates. Yeah. <laughs> Look, he's a, clearly a piece of human garbage. But be offended. I, I, wow. I think I LOL'd a lot that day when I saw that on um, social media. Let's do another follow-up. <laughs> be offended. <laughs> hey, mommies. Uh, this is Tom. I don't know, text my camera through the fence, whatever. Okay. First of all, just wanted to say uh, most dorky uh, Olympic sport has to be speed walking. It reminds <laughs> me of something like when your parents say, don't run around the pool. So yeah. you'd be racing somewhere, you'd be walking yeah. as fast as you can without running. Oh, it's my God. But, uh, so retarded. Anyway, also, um, the mm. DMV, you can make an appointment, and then you won't get stuck there for I three know, hours. Tom. And so it makes life much better. I anyway, know, Tom. Hope you have a good day. I'll be coming up in May. Have a good one. Bye. Look, Tom, you think I don't fucking know about that? Okay? Quit mansplaining things to me. I know. No, I did. I know. I just thought that, like... I was just trying to get lucky, like a fucking idiot. I just thought maybe I could get lucky. Because one time I did. One time I did show up, did not have an appointment, and I got lucky, and I got in right away. All right, Tom, stop judging me. God. <sighs> Speedwalking. Let's see videos of people speedwalking before we go. That looks so corny. Speedwalking looks worse than shot putting, and we've gone through shot putting. <laughs> How is this an Olympic sport? How is speed walking an Olympic sport? I mean, you see people doing it. Remember when people would do it in malls? I'm sure they still do. Oh, 12.4 miles. It's hypnotic. You know, with all that hip action, it's very dancey. Look, look. <laughs> That's so gay. Well, that guy looks like he's running in the front. Now, how do you know when it goes from a speed walk to a light canter? Or a light jog. I think it's like when your foot fully comes off. The Shut up. I think I heard Shut this. Shut up. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I feel like that the lead, the front guy there, that was a light jog. That was a jog. Oh my God, look how, look at the form. Yeah, you see the. This is absurdity. Part of the foot's always still on the pavement. But uh, I or hope. Is that what they're pointing out there, that he was cheating? Oh, yeah, because I hope there's somebody constantly watching the speedwalkers to be like, no, dude, you, you're fucking, you're, you're jogging. That's a light canter. Oh, oh, oh. oh, my God. They can't jump. They can't bend their knee. They can't run. So they have to figure ways to step faster. They rotate their pelvis like this. So that helps get them longer steps. This is the weirdest thing they walking like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. I mean, to devote your life to this? That's oh. the part that gets me. Like, to get to the Olympics, you've dedicated your life to speed walking. Oh, my God. Could you love somebody that does this? Never. Could you imagine if your husband is a speed walker? I would be so embarrassed. I would do this shit. <laughs> I would do this shit for sure. Just because you know niggas cheating around certain okay. corners. You know okay. what I'm saying? That's For what I'm sure. saying. They cheat. As I soon mean. As, as soon as someone turns their head, just whoop. That's what I would do, too. <laughs> Quick little jog. Little jump. <laughs> whoop. There they go. <laughs> just one foot. I'm speed walking. Leave me alone. I'm speed walking. I'm practicing. Gosh. How fucking weird. Life is so weird. What people get interested in is so bizarre. Look at them. Look at them like horses go i want to see them jump over stuff like horses you know i've been seeing a lot of videos of people training themselves to run on all fours like it's coming as a thing it's a thing dude i just i just sent you zolo a video of it today this guy who's like um i'm really happy with the results <laughs> he's like my upper body's gotten a lot stronger since i've been running on all fours and it's a video he's like i've been doing it for a year i started off slow and now i can gallop I'm like, this is crazy town. This is fucking insane. And it's got to be bad for your spine. It's got to be bad for your body because we're bipeds. We're not quadrupeds, dummy. And I can't even imagine. Did you find this guy? There he is. 
Oh my God, okay, play it. On all fours every day. Heat was definitely a factor today, but since it's the last episode of season 10, I wanted to get outside and do something fun. I started off with some laps and I still can't it. believe how much more smooth this looks and feels. <laughs> I think I'm really starting to get the hang of it. I've been preparing to transition from running to all fours, so I gave that a try. The preparation I've done seems to have paid off because it went surprisingly well. It's crazy to think that in two more months, I'll have been doing this for over a year. Thank you all for joining me on this journey. Now, go get some XP. This Why? Why would you do this for 300 days? Why would anybody do this? But that being said, now that this is a fitness thing, this will catch on, okay? This will catch on. This guy's got enough followers. He's making a dent. Some other maniac is going to start doing it. I think this should be the next Olympic sport. And I think we should have... What are those called that the horses jump over those bars hurdles? hurdles they should have to do everything a horse does i think that would be so much now that's an olympic sport i could get behind is people running on all fours oh my god that's so cool that's so much cooler than speed walking i mean at some point people laughed at speed walking as an olympic sport they're like speed walking you mean like moms who walk in the mall and he's like no no speed walking i can do this really well at an olympic level and then in the beginning, they're going to be like, Christina, what? Guys running on all fours as an Olympic sport? Ha ha, LOL, crazy. And then watch. Watch me work. Watch me nay-nay in fucking 10 years or whatever, 16 years, 14 years. You're welcome. All right, I'm going to go now. I love you. Uh, subscribe to the show so that you get notified every time an episode drops. Let me know what you, you want to hear me talk about. You know, I, uh, I'm Polly, I'm bi, I'm changing, I'm shifting. Now that, now that I've got all this free time when I've got two kids in school, it's really lightened up my brain. So send me an email, uh, where my mom's at, at gmail.com, 213-375-5184. Leave me a voicemail. What would you like to hear Mommy Jeans talk about? Did you like today's episode? Uh, if so, where else should we go with it? Blah, blibbity boops, bobbity boops. Come see me do stand up, buy my lipstick. Um, and that's it. I love you. I love you. That's what Louise said, Hey says at the end of her meditation. Um, yeah. Until next time. Stay cool, moms. Bye. Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at. Where my mom's wearing thongs, hitting bongs at. Raising kids, cleaning shits, need a long nap. Where my mom's, where my mom's, where my mom's at. Where my mom's at podcast. With Christina P.